Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Burna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher, equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Burna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount. I know you're paying attention to global events. Wars bubbling up everywhere. Countries are buying and hoarding mass amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our heads in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. 833-995-G-O-L-D. Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only, wait for it, Boy Meets World House. Take a listen. Are there any moments or spots on any of the sets we worked on over the seven years that you guys felt more at home that were like your little spots on the set you like to hang out? I'm afraid it was the sink. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, yeah. You had to act <laughs> by the sink a lot. lot. Yeah. I was behind the counter. Yeah. Right. Doing business constantly. Uh-huh. Mom stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> Disciplining you <laughs> in some way. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, Call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE. Or go to timesharejesse.com. Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out.
This is The Jesse Kelly Show. It is an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday on The Jesse Kelly Show, and it is going to be a doozy. <laughs> yes. I'm aware that everybody saw me on Tucker Carlson last night on Fox News, and I'm aware of the slight anger I've created in feminists. I'm aware that I'm probably the first and only person ever to utter the term booger sugar on Fox News. I'm aware that I woke up this morning and I have 9,000 articles from all the leftists just raging about everything I say. Let me tell you, I've given some thought to my words from last night and from the bottom of my heart. I'm not even a little bit sorry. <laughs> 877-377-4373. It Because it's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday, I've decided. I agonized over this before. And... We've been moving towards one guest every Friday. I normally have two guests a show. That's the norm. Sometimes I'll have one, but occasionally it's it's pretty much two guests a show Monday through Thursday. On Fridays, we're whittling it. We're whittling it. That's it. Shut up, Chris. We're whittling it down to one. And I can't guarantee you that won't be completely eliminated. But today we have the great Carol Roth joining us next hour. Carol Roth, the investment banker, the host of the Roth Effect podcast, always a good sport about everything. I want to ask her, because she's so good about money and debt and stuff like that. I want to ask her, where are we going? Because people are starting to complain about inflation, inflation, inflation. And I know you know what inflation is, but it's going to be our brief, serious topic today, unless it's one of your questions. Our brief, serious topic, I want to know where it's going. Where is all this going? I mean, I'm stupid. I need I need this information. So Carol's going to help us out. And I'm going to try to keep the history story brief today. Don't worry. I'm not going to rush through it because I realize that's a lot of people's favorite part. A lot of people, that's the only part. It's a funny thing about the show, Chris. This just kind of happened. We didn't plan this out. Chris and I did not plan this out. It's just one of those things that kind of happened when I was doing, gosh, is that almost three years ago now? We had a one-hour show. That was how that was how it, it began. Uh, the local guy who runs things around here, he's an awesome dude named Eddie Martini. He's in charge of all kinds of stuff here in, in, in Houston and in, in a bigger region than that. Gave me a 7 o'clock at night show, and I'd never had any show of any kind. He had no business putting me on the air at all. And he'd never heard me do a radio show. He's just like, well, screw it. I mean, Michael Berry says he's good. I'm going to give him a shot. And so we had a one-hour show. We were still doing history and politics during the one-hour show. You think I have to cut some of these off short quickly? We were doing like 15, 20-minute stories and then having, all right, wrap it up. We have to talk about something else. But anyway, apparently, because we see all the, all the numbers, all the podcast download numbers, apparently like half and half. Had the same amount will just download the history portion and, and about another half will download the whole show. And I have people tell me all the time, oh, I don't, I don't do history. I just do the rest. And I have people tell me all the time, I, don't, I do history. I don't do the rest. And then they apologize. 
I'm like, buddy, this is the first time in my life I haven't had to have a real job. Don't apologize at all. Just keep listening. Let's go to South America. We haven't done a ton on South America, and no, you commie haters, don't be excited. I'm not doing Pinochet in Chile today. I will tell you, Chris, remind me if I forget, because you know I'll forget, I will do Pinochet next week. I will do a Pinochet show next week about them <clears throat> taking care of the communist problem down in Chile. 1532, we're going to talk about a people we have never talked about on this show before. We're going to talk about the Incas. The Incas are, hopefully, you know, depending on how sorry your teachers were. But remember, there are really three gigantic Indian groups, indigenous groups, native groups, whatever you want to call them. I call them all Indian groups just because I'm a barbarian South of America, there were the Aztecs, they were the Mexican big cheeses, they ran Mexico. And then there were the Mayans, they kind of were before the Aztecs, same time, but before there's some overlap there, it doesn't matter. And then there were the Incas. The Incas were, you know, Peru, Chile, Ecuador, and they were huge. And a real shooting star when it comes to the more ancient world, more native tribes. So why were they such a shooting star? Well, up to the 1400s, they were just one of a bunch of fairly well-off tribes in that general area in South America. They were just, you know, churning along everywhere like everyone else. They weren't they weren't they weren't drowning, but they also weren't dominating everyone either. Either they were just another one of the people. And then pow, they explode. And they exploded for a lot of reasons, but lots of times any society, whether it be Spain, England, America, the Aztecs, whatever the case may be, any society generally advance on the backs of a few different things. They advance on the back of their science and technology and engineering. You come up with one little improvement here or one little improvement there. It gives your society a huge edge over the society next door. Soon you're moving past them. And they were coming up because they got a couple lightning-in-a-bottle leaders. You don't get those all the time. 1400s, the Inca blew past everybody else. And this is going to be important in our story. When, they blew, when I say blew past everybody else, I mean they advanced past their fellow natives by a long shot. And because I know your history teacher told you that everybody... Everybody in the native world, were they were all smoking peace pipes beside each other. And there was no, the only cause of death was, was natural causes at the age of 85 before the evil white man got there. But sadly, he would not be correct, that history professor of yours. You see, people are just people, no matter their skin color, no matter their culture. When you gain power, you use power. And the native tribes were killing each other all the time. When the Inca gained this power, they went on a massive, and I do mean massive, mission of conquest. They subjugated all the tribes around them, and I'm not putting down the Incas. Conquest is the history of the world. You know, it's not that I'm pro-conqueror because so many people end up dying, but it is the history of the world, and they conquered all the people around them. And... 
Yes, they were advanced, and they improved the lot in life of the people they conquered who they didn't kill or enslave, but there was still a lot of animosity within this area of people who were conquered people. As you can imagine, that would be rough, right? China comes storming into America tomorrow, takes over the government. We're in charge now, and yeah, they run the government. You're not in charge anymore, but... Are you going to have a little red, white, and blue American flag hidden under your pillow? Are you going to yearn for the day where you can throw off the scumbag commies? Of course you would. Of course, that's, that, that's human nature. These other tribes were the same way too. Now, the Incas were an advanced people, really advanced. And when I say advanced, what's, do you remember the one huge thing I talk about all the time when it comes to Ancient Rome, one of the main reasons they were able to conquer so much of the world. You'll know because it's one of the least sexy things I talk about. What is it? Roads. You don't give a lot of thought to roads because roads are freaking boring. It's just something you cruise down and don't think about it. Well, much of the ancient world didn't have them. Why did that matter? We'll talk about that. I'm going to try to get through this today and get these Ask Dr. Jesse questions done. Hang on. Feeling a little stocky? Follow, like, and subscribe on social at Jesse Kelly DC. Super Beats heart chews are delicious. Absolutely delicious. And this is the time when I'm supposed to talk to you about the, the incredible health benefits. And honestly, that's why I started taking them. They support healthy blood pressure. They support heart health. They support circulation. It just, they're really, really, really good for you. But none of that would matter for me if they didn't taste good. If they tasted like beets, if it tasted like I was eating a chewy vegetable, no. But they're basically two fruit snacks. The flavor I love, pomegranate berry. I set two of them by my glass with dinner. They're my dessert every single night. They're non-GMO. They're plant-based. They're gluten-free. No preservatives. No artificial colors. And again, that heart of yours, you only have one. Take care of it. Go to GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. That's GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. Buy two bags there. Get the third free. Oh, boy. Caused a bit of a dust-up last night with that that Tucker Carlson interview. My bad, everybody. (laughs) All right. What's coming up today? Well, let's see. We have one of Napoleon's generals living in secret in America. We have a rhino fighting a hippopotamus today. We have, well... If the Germans won World War II, as I've been saying, I wish they, or won World War I, one World War I, let me clarify, not World War II. If the Germans had won World War I, as I said, I wish they had, so World War II never happened, would America become a superpower? 
I got another guy has a question about the greatest generation living today. What would they say? I have an answer on that that's going to be a bit different than what you're expecting. It is an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday on the Jesse Kelly Show. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Chris, you know what just occurred to me? One of these days... I'm going to have been up all night. You know what I'm, you know how, you know how it works. I got sons every now and then it would be, I'm at the ER with a broken arm or something. They're boys. What do you want me to do? I'm trying the best I can to keep them alive. But at some point I'm going to come into this show and I'm just going to be red eyed and exhausted for some reason. It'll definitely be my son's fault or maybe some whiskey, but anyway, it would definitely be my son's fault. At some point I'm going to screw up and give out my own phone number on the air. You, I bet you money. It's going to happen. Can you imagine? (laughs) Especially with the savages who listen to this show, the things they would text me. Gosh. All right. Back to back to South America, the Inca. They conquer all the people around them in the 1400s. They rise quickly. They build roads. They're fanatical about roads. And just like Rome This aids them in conquering everyone around them and maintaining the empire. It's so bizarre because we take it for granted. But getting to and fro easily is something we just don't think about. It's not the norm in the ancient world. Sometimes, remember, they didn't have maps. They didn't know where they were going unless you had somebody who knew where they were going. You ever consider how crazy that is? But you did if you were in the Incas. Big rows, armies march up and down them quickly. They had a huge courier message system where they would have, they'd be able to to send messages way faster than anyone else in that part of the world because they'd have relay runners who'd be running back and forth. It was just, it was nuts, nuts. Now let's set them aside for a moment as we move over to a little place called Spain. A little man called Hernan Cortez. No, Cortez didn't take over the Incas. Remember, he took over the Aztecs. But Spain, Spain did colonizing a bit differently. They all kind of did it their own way. All the major European powers, they all put their little spin on it. And I am going to massively oversimplify this, but just know, especially when it comes to the Western Hemisphere, The British had their own way, and the French had their own way, and the Spanish had their own way. The British way was probably the most invasive. Not that they were terrible to everyone, but the British would very much take over and be all, okay, well, this is is definitely part of Britain now. And we're uh, let's bring in some people. We're going to build some forts. Uh, Here's a shopping mall. There's a car dealership. There's, I mean, they would just move in and set up shop. Oh, okay, this is part of Britain now. Oh, you, you don't have a problem with that, right? So that was the British way. The French way would probably be the one you'd want if you were one of the Indian tribes. The French way was simply this. Look, we just want to be friends with all the natives. Help us get you know, furs and things like that that we want from around here. And we're going to fight for it. We'll fight with you and we'll give you goods and you give us goods. But the French way was very much come alongside the native people. The Spanish way was just, in, I guess it, hindsight is twenty twenty. I don't want to judge an entire empire, but it was just awful. 
It, and when I say awful, I don't mean oppressive. It was all, it, none of it was pretty. Conquest isn't pretty. They just treated all the new territories they found like a gigantic ATM machine. The Spanish were only there for the gold and silver. That's all. They, they would storm in, of course, for God. They would storm in and they would make these declarations. And to their credit, they were absurdly brave. Like the guys in this story, just fanatical bravery. Wait till I get to the end of this thing here. They would storm into a place. And Cortez really perfected this when he took over the Aztecs in Mexico in the 1520s. They would just walk in, massively outnumbered most of the time. They would walk in and essentially say, hey, uh, congratulations, chief of this huge empire. You are now a subject of the Spanish king. And you're also going to go ahead and need to convert to Catholicism or I'll burn you to death right here. Sound good? Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. They wouldn't even give people options. It's not as if they were nice about, oh, and yeah, we, we need all the gold you have. In fact, if you don't give us enough gold, we are not above grabbing your people and torturing you until you tell us where we can find said gold. And of course, remember, people are just people. The Indian tribes would routinely take the Spanish greed and desire for gold and point them towards their enemies and say, hey, I don't have any gold, but man, Bill over there, he has a boatload. I would go torture Bill and find out where all his gold is. They would turn the Spanish on opposing tribes. Of course, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. They know how to do politics too. So Cortez, after he conquers the Aztecs, this is one of the bravest stories ever. I'm not saying Cortez was a saint, but it's still absurd bravery. He conquers the Aztecs, and everyone's looking at what happened to Cortez. Yeah, he had to go through a lot of pain, misery, wounds. He almost died about a thousand times. But once he's done, Cortez is not known in Spain. He's known around the world. Cortez is world famous. Cortez is stupid wealthy. And... They looked at this a little differently back then. Cortez was cloaked in glory and honor. That meant something big time back then. And what are you telling people? What are you telling young, brave men, young, brave, ambitious men on the up and up? You're telling them, okay, I might die. I might get slowly roasted to death over a fire in the process. But if I don't die, if I'm able to conquer a people for the Spanish crown, the world is my oyster when I'm done. And a young man by the name of Francisco Pizarro, he looked at Cortez and said to himself, oh, I want some of that. I want to get down on that. And Francisco Pizarro starts to do his own exploring of really Central America at the time. And he's having success. And he's having success. And he's having success. Now, when I say success, I mean he found himself a boat full of gold and silver and gems and sent a lot of it back to the king and said, hey, king, we jacked this boat. There's all this gold on it. And they told us there's this hugely powerful people down south called the Incas. I'd like to go ahead and go conquer them with your permission. King writes back, you have it, son. Go make it happen, captain. And the Spanish take off. And they're heading for the Inca. Now, we have to do something a little different here and that I have to rewind just a bit to take you back over to the Inca side 
because this part is going to be really, really, really important for how this story ends. The Inca were a native people, and the native people famously did not do well with the European diseases that were brought over, to put it mildly. Uh, The estimates are staggering with how much How many people were killed by smallpox and such? Well, that was coming for the Inca and other trouble, too. We'll go over that and ask Dr. Jesse. Hang on. Mold is disgusting. Fungus, mildew, these are these are not words that conjure up beautiful images in your mind. You know that there's a quiet, compact, powerful filter you can put in your home that'll take that out, right? It's called the Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the ultimate air purifier. I have had air purifiers my whole life. I, my allergies just simply require that I have them. I've never had an air purifier like the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. You have no filters to replace in it. You plug it in and it runs. It kills and prevents the spread of mold and fungus and mildew. No more itchy eyes, watery eyes. It destroys deadly viruses and bacteria. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. That's EdenPureDeals.com. Use the code word JESSE at checkout. When you do that, gets you 10 bucks off. Jesse, thanks so much for coming on. How would you, how, how do you think it would work if you lied on a federal gun form? I think I wouldn't be on your show right now unless they were allowing me to do it from Fort Leavenworth somewhere. I, I, we both know exactly. how this works, Tucker. This is, it's just item number 1,000 in, in proving to people that there are two different sets of rules in this country. There are rules for powerful right. Democrats, and there, and there are rules for people like you and I. This is, this is what they do, and people are sick of it. it it's, it's making people feel hopeless. It, it feels like there is no justice out there. It, it, it's, it feels as useless as going to a feminist rally and trying to find a woman who can cook. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I get home and, and see when I do stuff like that uh, on Tucker Carlson's show, because I've been on there a few times. I get home and the wife doesn't even know what to say. She's just staring at me as all. She says, you're going to get in trouble. And I said, no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> it is the Jesse Kelly show. You can find me on social media at Jesse Kelly DC on Twitter, Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I am on locals where I can't be kicked off. Gosh, it's going to be such a good Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Should you buy a gun if your spouse is against them and won't buy a gun? How about that for heavy? We got that question coming up here. Come on. We have to try to get to the Inca story, Chris. Dang it. All right. Cortez had been to the Americas as we laid out. And when Cortez got there, the the spread of smallpox and mumps and such, it was really, really bad. It wiped out the Aztecs. And it, it, it as diseases do, it made its way south to the Incas. 
So as Pizarro is making his way south and heading towards the Incas, this disease hits this large, powerful Inca kingdom and starts slaughtering them. They, I mean, they don't know numbers because there wasn't writing about it, but it was they, they estimate 50%. Some estimates are half the people died. Think about that. Think about how crazy that is. I, that is that is Thanos from the Avengers movie. Half of everybody gone. Snap your fingers. Isn't that insane? Think about think about Al. Every half the people you know gone. Well, one of the people who dies is the king, and he is a very important person in the Incan society. A divine being. He, he's the king. The king on his deathbed names one of his sons, a specific one of his sons to take over. And the kings had tons of wives and concubines, and we're not going to go into the details of all that because it's a family show, but just know that they ended up with a lot of kids, a lot of kids. And they would name the successor. King's laying there dying. Oh, no, smallpox, this sucks. I want this son in charge, though. Cool, cool, everyone got it, cool. Boom, king kicks off. The son he named as a successor also dies before he can actually take over as king. And the messenger gets there to tell, to say, hey, this son's king now, sees the son is dead, turns around and takes off running back for the king to tell him, uh, can you pick a new son? That one's already gone. By the time he gets back, the king is dead. So everybody's dead, and now what do you think you have when you have about 9,000 sons under the king and none of them have been appointed to run the biggest empire in that part of the world? Yeah, you're going to have a war. I'm not going to go into the details of that war. It was one son who was very politically connected, one of those types, and the other son who happened to be really, really good with the military well, you know how that story works out. The one who was good with the military ended up on top, and his name is actually important for our story. His name is Atahualpa. Atahualpa takes over an Incan empire, and it's good to be king, right? Palaces and people, and, and you got the, the best food, pretty girls, and, and they carry him around on a litter, and I'm talking about like professional wrestling. They carry him on a gigantic throne. They just walk around with this guy. It had to be fun. It had to be fun. Chris, I want to be carried around on a litter. What? We can find some people. How many people would I get? What? We'll find some people. Gosh. Anyway. So Pizarro gets there. Right about this time. I'm not making this up. It's just the, it's such an insane turn of events and such horrible luck for the Incas. Pizarro shows up with 168 Spaniards at this time. Not very many people. That's it. 168. Now, they're well equipped and a lot better equipped than the Indians, when it, than the Incas when it comes to warfare for sure. The Spanish have armor. The Spanish have crossbows, muskets, war dogs, cannons, horses. They have stuff the Incans have never seen before. But there's still only 168 of them. Pizarro shows up, and he's surveying this wiped-out empire, an empire that had just gone through a disease that killed half of it, and then a massive civil war to settle on who the king was going to be. And now you had all these tribes who'd very recently, remember, been taken over by the Incans. You had all these tribes 
And they weren't big fans of the Incans. And Pizarro's finding all this out. And Pizarro is like, wow, this place is ripe for the picking. He starts picking up allies here and picking up allies there. Oh, you don't like the Incans? Well, good news. We are here. Pizarro ends up starting to swap messages with Atahualpa, the Incan king. And these had to be, I wish I could read, uh, this has to be the worst game of telephone of, of all time. Because everything the Incans are saying to the Spanish seems to get lost in translation. And everything the Spanish are saying to the Incans seems to be getting lost in translation. And sometimes, I'm not going to go into all of it, sometimes they're threatening each other, but it doesn't come across like a threat. Sometimes they're complimenting each other, but it doesn't come across like a compliment. It comes across like a threat. It's just a, it's just a big old fat mess. But what they eventually agree on is this. They agree that they're going to meet at a little city, a little town called Cajamarca, C-A-J-A-M-A-R-C-A. Cajamarca. Okay. Well, the Incans, their interpretation of what this meeting is going to be is extremely different than the Spanish interpretation of what this meeting is going to be. Like I said, maybe the worst game of telephone of all time. The Incans, this newly appointed king, Atahualpa, at the head of his 80,000-man army, thinks he's going to march down and meet these few Spanish people and they're going to they're going to bend the knee like everyone else has and pay homage to him. I'm the new king around here, of course. The Spanish, they think this meeting is going to be a meeting where Atahualpa shows up and look, obviously, as you know, Atahualpa, we the Spanish are in charge, but we're going to be nice enough to let you hang on to some power, but just as much as we let you have. Also, where's all your gold? We need that. And you're a Christian now. Christian now. Congratulations. Atahualpa shows up at Cajamarca, and he leaves his 80,000-man army outside of the city, but he takes 7,000 men with him inside the city, only because he's there just to acquire some new subjects who are going to pledge fealty to him, they don't bring in any weapons. He brings in 7,000 men because for Atahualpa, this is just a big parade. This is just yet another people, all right, give me some goods. I'm the king. You have any pretty girls? Life is good. The Spanish... Because the Spanish understood the situation on the ground, this 168-man Spanish unit, they were approaching this situation just a little bit differently. How differently? I'll tell you in a second. We'll wrap this up, and it's Ask Dr. Jesse time. Hang on. Radio Revolution, Jesse Kelly. Jake's Mint Chew will help you quit dipping tobacco. Jake's Mint Chew will help you quit smoking. Jake's Mint Chew 
will do this without nicotine. It'll do this without tobacco. It'll do this without sugar even. You see, it gives you a replacement. It gives you something you can put in your lip to help that transition. It's so much better than a, than a patch or gum or something like that. They have 11 different long-cut flavors. They have four different flavors of the CBD pouches. And while I love it all, the CBD pouches are really the one I would recommend. One, they're so clean You can do it at your office desk if you're hankering for a smoke or a dip. They're so clean, and they really help take that edge off. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 20% off. I think you make a really solid point about the sadness and the powerlessness that people feel in the face of this. And at some point, people are going to say, why should I follow the rules? Why should I be a good citizen if they don't have to follow the rules? I mean, things kind of break down at some point, don't they? Well, they will break down. They are breaking down, Tucker. I, I've said this before, and I'm telling you, I'm, I'm worried that I'm right. The right is going to pick a fascist within 10 to 20 years because right. they're not going That's to right. be the only, one, the only ones on the outs. There's 60, 70 million of us. We're not a tiny minority. And if we're going to be all treated like criminals and all subject to every single law while Antifa Black Lives Matter guys go free and Hunter Biden goes free, then the right's going to take drastic measures. And it's not about Hunter Biden and his drug use. Nobody cares that guy was bumping booger sugar lines of European hookers on the weekend. It's about justice that he's never held accountable for, and none of the Bidens are, but you would be, Tucker, and so would I. That's so well put, and you're absolutely right. We're moving toward actual extremism because they're undermining the system that kept extremism at bay, and I, I don't think we can say that enough. I'm so glad that you just said it. That was so well put, Chris, by me. I apologize. I'm not sorry. I can't do it. It's the Jesse Kelly show on an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Gosh, this show's so much fun. Radio's so much fun. I try to tell people this because I ask, you know, I do three hours of radio every day. And then I do an hour of TV every day. And people ask me all the time which one I like more. My TV show's on uh, the the first. The network's called The First. My show's on 9 p.m. Eastern every night right after O'Reilly. And I never know what to tell people. I I tell people this. They are both very, very, very different. There's a reason almost everybody in this business does one or the other. Very few people do both. And a lot of the guys who try to do both suck at one of the two of them. I suck at both of them, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) But they're very different. Radio, I'll say this about TV. TV is a lot easier, and it's not just because it's an hour. If you you can stand being in front of the camera, TV's easier because you have the visual aspect to it. I I can do things on TV that I can't do. Like, you can't see me put my hand over my mouth or roll my eyes or, or put my hands on my face or make hand motions. You can't see that, so there's no portion of that. TV's just easier. It's just easier. It's one of those things. You could you can do TV with very little prep. I mean, most people, well, I can. 
I don't, I, it just doesn't, I don't prep, prep very much for TV. I'm ready to go. Just turn on the camera. Let's go. I don't have a teleprompter or anything like that. I'm just going. Radio is a lot more, and I really want to hesitate to call it this, a lot more work. Uh, I don't work. You work. I've had all the crappy jobs in the world. Uh, you name it. Construction, salesman, dishwasher, marine. I, I've done all that. This is not a job. And I'm, I hate when people in my business complain about it. Oh, man, I'm working like a dog over here. Dude, you talking to the microphone, you're going to be fine. I promise you're going to be fine. But radio is a lot more effort than TV. A lot more. Not just because it's three hours long, because you also don't have the visual part of it. But radio is, I don't want to know if, I don't know if I can say it's more fun, Chris, but it's pretty freaking fun. It's less, it's less scripted than TV, I'll say that. And there's, it's not as if there's anyone on TV who's going to stop me from getting sidetracked, as I tend to do, and talk about, we were fighting cheetahs yesterday, I don't even know where that came from. But that's never going to happen on TV, on radio, it just happens. And I realize most people don't even do that on their radio shows, but at this point in time, you get what you get. Don't throw a fit. Back to the Incas. Atahualpa. Marches into town with a, at the head of a 7,000-person parade being carried on a litter, of course. The Spanish, they're not there for a parade. And they're not there to bend the knee to anybody. The Spanish are hidden. Horses hidden. Cannons hidden. Crossbows hidden. Muskets hidden. In full armor all around the town square. The Spanish are there for death. The Spanish are there to kill. The Incans, they didn't properly read the situation. And not properly reading the situation on the ground has gotten more people killed than nuclear weapons. Atahualpa goes strolling into town at the head of his parade. Pizarro sends out a, a friar, essentially a, a, a pastor, sends out a, sends out a religious dude. And I'm not going to go into all the details of what they say, but essentially this ends with the religious dude letting him know, hey, congratulations, you're a subject of the Spanish now. Oh, we needed to convert too. Hey, here's a Bible. Ever heard of it? Kind of important to people who believe what we believe. At Awalpa, the Incans didn't have written languages, but they did believe in, in objects speaking to them. Atahualpa takes it. He doesn't even open it because he, why would he open something? He doesn't know what even what reading is, but he takes it and he's like shaking it and looking at it and, and waiting for it to say something to him because from the translation he's getting, this is some kind of holy book, some kind of religious artifact. This thing is, it's supposed to do something, right? Speak to me, book. Why aren't you speaking to me? And it doesn't do anything, obviously. Atahualpa takes that Bible and he throws it. Uh-oh. Your daughter doesn't want to talk about why her room is a horrible mess. Your son doesn't want to talk about why he's wearing mismatching socks. 
your spouse doesn't want to talk about their bad haircut. <gasps> Families don't have to talk about everything, but they should talk to plan for an emergency. Pack basic supplies in a go bag, water, canned food, flashlights, batteries, medical supplies, IDs, and some cash. Talk about where you'll meet in case you lose one another. And of course, don't forget to pack the dog treats. Talk to your family and make an emergency plan. Go to nyc.gov slash readyny or call 311 to make your family's emergency plan. Brought to you by New York City Emergency Management and the Ad Council. Eight seven seven eight six six. What is the number, Chris? Seven seven. <laughs> Whatever. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Now I'm thinking about giving out my phone number on the air, Chris, and it's screwing me up. Eight seven seven three seven seven four three seven three. Eight seven seven three seven seven four three seven three. You can call us live. You can leave us a voicemail. It's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday, and there is a deep one right off the bat here, Chris. Get this. And yes, I'm going to wrap up my Inca story in just a second, but there's a deep one right off the bat. What if you want a gun for your home, believe in guns, want something for protection, and your spouse is against them? What is right? What is wrong? How about that for heavy? We have rhino versus hippo fights. What if America doesn't rise? Do we have a hidden Napoleon general in America? All that's coming up in a second on Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. See Kelly returns next. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. And so I'm going to say something outrageous. I have never been particularly poor at calculating how to get things done in the United States Senate. So the best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to, anyway. <laughs> well, the <laughs> that uh, yikes, yikes! It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Oh, man, it's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Let's wrap up this Inca story now because we have a lot of stuff to get to. Atahualpa, the Incan king, throws the Bible. The Spanish 
pretty much take that as a cue that it's going to go ahead and be on now. Remember, out of Walpas, there were 7,000 men, but they're unarmed. 168 Spanish, but they have cannons, which the Incans have never even heard before. Muskets, which they haven't heard before. Crossbows, swords, dogs. The Spanish were awesome at using war dogs. How cool is that, Chris? The Spanish charge. And the Spanish start cutting through the Incans like a blowtorch through butter. The Incans are now in a mass panic. They at first don't even understand what's going on. Who would attack? Why are we being attacked? What are these large creatures they're riding on? Is that one creature? The Spanish are stabbing and shooting and slashing. At Awalpa, remember I said he got carried on a litter? All his litter bearers throw him back on the litter and pick the guy up to carry him away. The Spanish want to capture him, not kill him. The litter guys won't drop him. They have to cut their hands off to get him to drop the litter. I'm not making that up. How gruesome is that? There's such a panic, the Incans start accidentally killing each other because they start a stampede and they're stomping each other into the ground to get away from the Spanish. The Spanish kill basically all of them except for Atahualpa and a few others. The army that's outside of the city, they respond to the commotion, find out their king has been captured and their people are dead, and they just take off. They don't attack or do anything. The 168 Spanish, guess how many dead they had? Zero. Didn't lose a single man surrounded by an 80,000-man army, and they take Atahualpa prisoner. That didn't end up very well for Atahualpa, I should say. The Spanish initially treated him very, very well, gave him a palace. As long as he kept supplying them with places they could go get gold and silver and such. And then Atahualpa's enemies started pouring honey in the Spanish ears saying, Hey, that Atahualpa guy, you know he's going to build up an army. He's building up, up an army. There's an army coming to kill you. The Spanish, without even investigating whether there was an actual army coming, and it turns out there wasn't, they put Atahualpa on trial and convict him and sentence him to burning to death which is a big deal for the Incans. Well, I mean, it's a big deal, period. It doesn't sound like a pleasant way to go. It's a big deal for the Incans, period, because they believe in mummification. So he strikes a deal with them that he will convert to Catholicism if they'll simply strangle him to death, which the Spanish do in the public square. That was the end of Atahualpa. That was the beginning of the ending for the Incan empire. So with that bright and sunny tale underneath you, you need to remember something right now. The right really needs to remember something right now. We have lost our culture for a reason. And the reason is not that we're dumb. It's not that we're lazy. It's certainly not that we're wrong. The reason we have lost American culture is we have acted like politics is just politics. Something that happens, it's important, it's on the side though, and it's just, you know, it's it'll be fine. Let's look, we're all it's just pol- it's just voting really. We'll go vote. You go vote on election day and I'll go vote and we'll throw our votes together and we'll see who wins and we'll argue a little and that's it. 
The left understands that politics is life and death. It is country changing, culture changing. It, it, it raises nations and it brings nations to its knees. We lost because they play politics like a blood sport. We play politics like, let's have a parade today. Oh, wait, they're shooting us. What happened? I don't understand. I thought this was a parade. Understanding the situation on the ground and not wishing away what you want it to be. Not wishing that away or, or wishing for, for what you want to be and not, not wishing, you know, oh, I, I just, I think it should be nice, so I'm going to pretend like it is nice. It's not nice now. It's not nice at all. Dear Dr. Jesse, my husband has a case of MREs, a woodshed filled with wood, as I would hope so, two wood stoves with cooktops, gallons of water, and a safe full of cash. It seems we would be ready for anything, but he won't buy a gun to protect it. Should I buy a gun? One. Lady, hear me now. You are lucky you emailed the only person in the United States of America who actually is able and willing to keep secrets. As you all, everybody knows by now, I don't even read your name if you send me death threats. I do not do it. Hear me, lady, and hear me well. Everybody hear me. You never, ever, 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 ever admit to anybody, not your closest friend, not a radio host, not your landscaper, not your brother, not your anything, that you have a safe full of cash. People die for that. That is a great way to get you and or someone in your family seriously hurt. So those words you just typed typed out to me, you never mention those words again to anybody. Clear? That's one. Two. I believe in guns. I believe in being trained with them. I believe it is everything. Because without protection, like we talked about yesterday, without protection, what do you have? Our zombie apocalypse. Remember our zombie apocalypse scenario? The zombies are all around and you can you have two houses. You have the nice guy's house who's really polite and he's gonna pull your chair out for you. And yes, ma'am, and he, he's got a house full of toys for your kids and everything's gonna be nice, but he doesn't even have a gun or locks on the doors. Or you have the guy next door who's a vulgar barbarian and he's super rude and you don't like him and he smokes and he drinks and he doesn't shave and he smells and he doesn't but he has his doors barred, his windows barred, and he has an arsenal in his home. You're going to that guy's house with your kids every single time because without safety, what do you have? You can have all the food and wood and water in the world. If Let's, let's say the worst happens. Now, obviously, I don't assume there's going to be a zombie apocalypse. But what if you do get some sort of societal collapse, which is not unheard of at all? That's the history of the world. How much history do we talk about on the show? If you do get some kind of societal collapse, who do you think is going to be roaming around looking for things? You think it's only going to be good people marching around with their weapons looking for things? Or do you think bad people are going to want food and water and stuff too? What good is having any of that if I can walk up to you with a gun and take it all away from you? That said, 
I'm not here to tell somebody to defy their husband. If that's the look, if that's if that's how it works in your house, look, do you disagree, Chris? I understand without a gun you don't have anything secure, but that's your husband. I'm not stepping into that. I would uh I'd have a long talk with him though. Maybe play him what I just said. I'd have a long talk with him. Oh, we're not done. We're not done at all. It's time to fight grizzly bears. Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. Nobody likes the guy who lectures you about a bad habit you have. So I normally speak, when I talk about Jake's Mint Chew, I normally speak to guys who are dipping tobacco or anybody who's smoking because it helps with that too. But now let me just take a second and talk to the family member or friend who wants somebody to quit. It's not helpful to point a finger at someone and say, that's bad for you. You have to quit. Give somebody a solution. Don't just tell them where they're screwing up. Give them a solution. Jake's mint chew is the solution. You have it sitting right in front of you. You have a family member. You have a friend. You want them to quit. Get them some Jake's mint chew. Give them some help. It works. Tobacco-free, nicotine-free, Jake's Mint Chew. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE for 20% off. Regarding the filibuster, at John Lewis's funeral, President Barack Obama said he believed the filibuster was a relic of the Jim Crow era. Do you agree? Yes. If not, why not abolish it if it's a relic of the Jim Crow era? Successful electoral politics is the art of the possible. Let's figure out how we can get this done and move in the direction of significantly changing the abuse of even the filibuster rule first. It's been abused from the time it came into being by an extreme way in the last 20 years. Uh, it's me, Jesse Kelly. The, the, Chris, does he say, is it me or is the breathing distracting? He sounds terrible. And uh, I'm so embarrassed to say... I may have gotten something wrong. I made a prediction about Joe Biden's first press conference. Do you have the Do you have the part where he gets completely lost, Chris, and just loses his train of thought? I made a prediction a couple weeks ago about Joe Biden's first press conference. I said, "Look, what they're going to do for his first presser is they're going to do the same thing for Joe Biden that they did for the debates, where they give him. I mean, I don't have to, I don't have to elaborate for you. They." They have people come in. A, a rumor was a team of people come in and make sure he's <clears throat> ready to go. They were going to do that for the press conference. He was going to do well. Well, 
No, it turns out he had a calling card list with the people circled who he was supposed to call on and their names and had a note card with the answers he was supposed to give on the note card and still looked bad. He was doing the breathing thing. And at this moment, uh, wow. And so I'm going to say something outrageous. I have never been particularly poor at calculating how to get things done in the United States Senate. So the best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to, anyway. <laughs> what? Um, man, man, did I miss that one? He was not good. It was as scripted as it gets, had the questions ahead of time, had the reporters he was going to call on, and the ones he wasn't going to call on ahead of time. We know this now because the pictures came out. We saw he had like a sheet in front of him with the names and such. This is really bad. Like I said, you can yell and scream at me all you want. I'm ready for President Kamala Harris. I am. I know she's just as bad. Don't scream at me. I know she's just as bad, but this is we can't do this. World leaders, bad people are watching this and they're licking their chops right now. Hey, Shogun, that's my favorite nickname of of yours out of the tons you've acquired from the masses. To be fair, I gave myself all of these nicknames, Chris. Shogun is pretty good. But, I mean, we look, we can't neglect Jesse Steele Kelly when I changed my nickname. What? Anyway, I was hoping you could clarify something for me. Am I crazy to notice that this virus came from China and they seem to have benefited tremendously from it? Their economy seems to be moving steadily and they're growing militarily very rapidly. No matter who the U.S. president is, I do find it galling that they have the cojones to tell our government that they are not in a position of strength given they have basically shut down the entire world for a year. Am I crazy? Is China benefiting from this? Why are there no repercussions for this? All right. Let me explain something. Because this is the kind of stuff that, this is how conspiracy theories start because there's enough truth to, truth to this. Here's what happened. Here's, here's what happened as I believe. I should say as I believe because we don't have all the facts in yet. The virus started in China. That's not really up for debate. Whether it was purposely released, accidentally released, bioweapons lab, we don't know. Let's just agree it all started in China. China figured out they had a virus. China, and we know these things, these are facts. China shut down travel inside their own country while allowing international travel to the U.S. and other places. That's on purpose. That's purposely spreading a biological weapon, agent, whatever you want to call it. Okay, all that's done on purpose. Then China watches as the West starts to adopt Chinese ways of dealing with it. Remember, at the very beginning, we weren't horrified by coronavirus because it wasn't here yet. We were horrified at the pictures and videos of what China was doing to its own citizens. They were welding people in their home. Remember that video that came out, Chris? They, had a, they were welding people inside of their homes so they couldn't come out. China sees the West start to adopt Chinese ways of dealing with it. And what happened from there? Well, 
China realized that this is going to be really, really good for them. At the same time, the American Democratic Party, who is, they share many of the same goals with China. I won't say they overlap completely. That's not fair. But obviously there is some overlap there. But they share the same hatred of America. They do. They share the same goal of bringing America to its knees. They both think America sucks. They both want it brought to its knees. So the Democratic Party looks around at this coronavirus stuff and the lockdowns, and they quickly realize, wow, this is a great way to A, burn down the country we hate, and B, destroy the one reason that's going to get Donald Trump reelected, the economy. So the Democrats pile on it. So you have those two things. China's all in. Democrats are all in. And then you have the gutless GOP. The GOP that went right along with all of it in the beginning. And I realize, don't think I don't notice all you radio and TV pundits out there who are all about the lockdowns and hide under your bed and go get a mask and we're all going to die at the very beginning. And now you're all anti, now you're all anti-lockdown. Oh, I, I see you. I see you. You remember who was anti-lockdown from day one, not day two, not month two, day one. Me. So the right, because of our pundits were too weak, because our politicians were too weak, did not stand up to the media panic, the Democrat panic, the Chinese panic. And that created the disaster for the West. When they talk about the far-reaching consequences for the West, the mental health, the, the financial, the, the small business wipeouts, all these things, realize Coronavirus didn't do that. The West's response to coronavirus did that. It was the West's response. And to answer your question, why isn't anything being done to China? Do you think things have really changed in the world? Do you remember all these tyrants we've had in the past and the things we've done in response to those tyrants? We're going to have... We're going to have NATO so Russia can't ever do it. We're going to have this organization so these people can't ever do it. Uh, North Korea has Chinese, or North Korea has concentration camps as we speak. We know about them. Who's doing something about it? China has concentration camps as, that we know about. Who's doing something about it? Russia. Russia just took the political opponent of the head of state and imprisoned him for no reason whatsoever. Didn't even pretend to have a reason. Who's doing something about it? People don't want to do anything about anything. They know it's China's fault. They blame China. They're still hooked on cheap China goods. And doing something about it is too painful. That's what happened. That's why people wait to the end. Everybody craps on Neville Chamberlain, that idiot who was in charge of Britain, who let Hitler run roughshod over Europe. Allow me to defend Neville Chamberlain here for just a moment. We're going to defend him after we talk to Carol Roth about money. Hang on. Super Beats heart chews are something that I have to take. 
And when I say have to take, it's not as if it's been prescribed to me. I, I choose to take them, but I'm 39. I'm not 19 anymore. And in my family, high blood pressure, heart problems, these things are, are the norm in my family. So I can't wait and be reactive. I can't wait until I'm laying in a hospital bed someday. I have to be proactive about my health. What does that mean? Well, it means I have to eat a little better at least than I used to. It means I have to make sure I'm working out as much as I used to. And it means I have to eat Super Beats Heart Chews. They support healthy blood pressure. They support heart health. They support circulation. Go to GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. That's GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. When you buy two bags, you get the third free. Oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. Joining me now, host of the Roth Effect podcast, also former investment banker, Carol Roth. Carol, I if I have to have one more text message from a friend of mine asking if they should buy Bitcoin, I'm going to lose <laughs> my mind. Would you please explain the cryptocurrency thing? Should people be buying it by the dozen? What, what, what should people do right now, Carol? All right. Well, let me tell you why people are interested in Bitcoin to begin with. People are interested in Bitcoin because they don't trust our dollar. And they don't trust our dollar because it's backed by the full faith of the U.S. government. And I think not trusting the full faith of the U.S. government is fairly self-explanatory. But on top of that, the Federal Reserve has been printing out of thin air all this money, that has been devaluing our dollar, and at some point people are concerned that it is going to be worth uh, far less than it is today, meaning that each one of your dollars is going to buy fewer goods and services. So they figure we need to find an alternate currency. They go to something called cryptocurrency, which is basically backed by a bunch of agreements between strangers on the Internet. So you get to decide whose faith you believe in. Do you believe in the faith of the U.S. government and their central bank? Do you believe in a bunch of of, Internet strangers that all come together? I think the challenge that you have when you're looking at something like a currency, money has sort of three different functions. It's a unit of account, it is a store of value, and it is a medium of exchange. So you need to decide whether it's Bitcoin or Ethereum or any of these other uh, cryptocurrencies, you know, is it going to be a good unit of account? Right now, obviously, most people turn their Bitcoins back into dollars, so it's probably not doing that. Um, in terms of medium of exchange, it's kind of clunky in order to transact in Bitcoin right now. Not everybody's doing it. And in terms of a store of value, the price fluctuates really wildly each day. So until you know, one or more of those things kind of sort itself out, it is highly speculative. Uh, if you're somebody who goes and bets in Vegas or has a part of your portfolio for alternative bets, sure, feel free to, to go and bet on it. But in terms of do you put all of your life savings in it, that would not be a prudent investment at this point. Let me ask this, and this is a highly personal question, but she's Carol <laughs> Roth and I love her, so I'm going to ask anyway. Do you own any Bitcoin, Carol Roth? 
So what we own is exchanges that sell cryptocurrency because my investment thesis is always about the picks and shovels. You don't want to bet on finding gold. You want to bet on everyone else who's mining for it and servicing them. So if you think people are going to be interested in one or more of these cryptocurrencies, uh, we've invested in the exchanges that trade them because it kind of doesn't matter which one wins, uh, then you, you, know, you have the trading behind it. Now, again, we don't have a substantial investment in it because it's just not a, as much of an area of my expertise, but that's the way that we have chosen to play the market. Carol, inflation, are we seeing it and how much of it are we going to see? Okay, well, it depends on how you look at inflation. Um, there were numbers that came out this morning and sort of the core indicators that they look at are showing that inflation is mild. However, if you look at the stock market, if you look at the housing market, if you look at commodities, um, there are areas that do show inflation. And I think the fact that we have, unfortunately, this um, economy of haves and have-nots that has been picked by the government, winners and losers in the last pandemic, small businesses and vulnerable individuals versus big businesses, I think you're going to, at least in the short term, continue to see a split where certain assets um, and certain you know, things, goods and services are going to be inflated, and there are other ones that are going to potentially be deflated. And unfortunately, for people who study this um, and, and work in this area, it's really challenging because we're in this unprecedented situation where we have printed so much money, but so has everyone else around the world. We've artificially suppressed interest rates, but so has everyone else around the world. Um, and so there are all these factors that could lead to runaway inflation, but there are also all these factors that could lead to deflation. And it's just this horrible experiment, and nobody knows which way it's going to end up other than probably badly. Okay. All right. Well, that, that is extremely inspiring, Carol. Comforting. <laughs> always, I'm always comforting on a Friday. Yes. <laughs> okay. That's why people come to me, Jesse. It's, it's for the sunshine and puppy dog state. Well, I, I mean, the, I do this kind of stuff, too. And the truth is, how are you supposed to put a sunny face on this kind of spending and this kind of unbacked printing of currency? There are laws in economics. I mean, there are theories and then there are laws. You can't just print money like this and not have there be huge consequences at some point. Well, I mean, there are huge consequences. I mean, if you look at, you know, what's happened to the the buying power of the dollar, not not talking about, oh, you can buy cheap goods because we've imported them from China, but just, you know, if you went back and calculated how much each dollar would have been worth if there hadn't been money printing and we had the gold standard and whatnot, there has been consequences. But at the same time, because we've had all these other things going on, you don't really feel it in your day-to-day -day life. So it's, it's kind of hard to measure that loss. But yeah, I mean, you can look at every, anyone from Venezuela to Zimbabwe to say that, hey, you cannot print money indefinitely without consequences. And the problem is it's like walking up to a ledge, right? You can get really close to the ledge, and it's scary, and it's scary. But at some point, like, once you fall off, like, there's no grabbing back on. So that, that's the problem, and nobody knows where that ledge is. No one knows where the ledge is, and nobody genuinely seems – well, I shouldn't say nobody. Very few people seem to genuinely care about it because, I, in my opinion, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because they've never had to experience what happens when it goes. You know, we've only ever been on the uphill swing of the roller coaster. We're not on the downhill yet. 
Correct. So they've never experienced it. They have limited knowledge base as well, and they have limited care to increase their knowledge. And so on top of that, the uh, Federal Reserve and all the people in finance and economics have made this stuff incredibly opaque and very difficult to understand. And so it's very hard to get your head wrapped around it. And at some point, the numbers are just so big, like people are like, yeah, like, I mean, like, what's the difference between, you know, 400 billion and, and 4 trillion? Well, it's a lot, but in a lot of people's minds, they can't even imagine that first number. So like, whether it's, it's, you know, half a trillion or four trillion, they don't care. But the the exponential factor of getting to that latter number is so much bigger, but people just can't fathom it at this point in time. $400 billion hits your bank account tomorrow, Carol Roth. What are you doing with it as far as your basic living situation? Are you in a penthouse, Chicago, beach house somewhere, lake house somewhere? Are you on your own yacht? What's the Carol Roth $400 billion lifestyle? Yeah, you know, I'm Scrooge McDuck, and I'm just mm-hmm. rolling around in a room of coins, basically. <laughs> uh, you know, to be perfectly honest, I'm somebody who lives way below my means. I, you know, I, I grew up with a blue-collar background. You know, being fiscally responsible and conservative is like been ingrained and inculcated in me since the time I was a little kid. And so, you know, if people saw the differential between how I live and how I could be living. Thing, they'd be like, what's wrong with you? But that's just, that's just how I am. Like to me, money is like a fun, like thing that you like keep score with, I guess, like, like a video game, <laughs> if you will. But I'm not the type of person who's like a huge consumer. So like, I don't need a yacht or a private jet or that kind of stuff. So, you know, I don't know, maybe I, I buy myself like an, you know, a nicer steak or something. I don't know. <laughs> You are so painfully boring, Carol I, Roth. I, I, oh, re- my I really, really gosh. am. I, I, I am, Jesse. I am the worst. <laughs> I love you. Carol, you're the best. Talk to you soon. I think I'm going yacht, Chris. You can go anywhere you want. Don't scoff at it. All right, I'm going to defend Neville Chamberlain. Then back to your questions. Hang on. something there's a podcast get it on demand wherever podcasts are found the jesse kelly show my eden pure thunderstorm well it made my house smell better and maybe the best endorsement of a product i could ever give is this one right here i had i started out with one eden pure thunderstorm and my sons came in and they stole it They loved how my room smelled, and they put it in their room. My son's room, they both stay in the same room. Their room now doesn't smell anymore. Any parent with sons will tell you that makes the Eden Pure Thunderstorm essentially a miracle. It's more than just, you know, no more itchy eyes and runny nose from allergies. This thing kills and prevents the spread of mold and fungus and mildew, and it doesn't cover up the odor, it kills it. Go get one. EdenPureDeals.com. That's EdenPureDeals.com. Use the code word JESSE at checkout. That gets you $10 off.
Oh, it is an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. I know you're going to find this shocking, but Jewish producer Chris had another stupid opinion during the break. He actually prefers lamb over beef. What a loser. Didn't you people already kill one lamb too many, Chris? <laughs> All right, the question was about appeasement, China. Why aren't we doing anything about China? You know Neville Chamberlain, right? Neville Chamberlain was the head of Britain leading into World War II. It is known as it's historically a punchline, the great appeaser. Why didn't you do something about Hitler? Why didn't you do something? How could you? Why didn't you do something? Well, let me ask you. You're the head of the British Empire. You're 20 years removed, give or take, from the end of World War I, which was the most horrific thing ever. You saw millions. I mean, just, just the death on a horrible scale. What did you want him to do? Well, he should have he should have stopped him. No, no, that's a bumper sticker. D- don't tell me that. I want to know specifically what you want him to do because it applies to our China question as well. You're mad about coronavirus. I get it. 100% valid. Totally valid. Their fault, but what do you want us to do? You want to go to war with China? Is that what you want? Do you want that? I, I, I caution people about this stuff all the time because you see it on the right. Because as I've said, I feel like we should have a national divorce because I don't want to see anybody get hurt. Nobody. Not right, not left, not, not anybody. You'll get people on the right who say, let's just have a civil war. Get it over with. You want a civil war? You have any idea how terrible that is? How terrible war is? You want to see women and kids dead? Uh, uh, I, I'm out on that. I, I, I don't want to see that. I, th- I say we do everything possible to avoid anybody dying. That's what I say. So, again, I ask, again, I ask, what do you want us to do about China? You, wanna, you want to send in the Marines? You want to start dropping nukes? Sink a couple ships? You ready for them to start doing that back? Because they have the ability to do that back. Neville Chamberlain, what did you want him to do? Mobilize the British forces before any real harm had been done to Britain and what? Take on the Nazi war machine? There was, and keep in mind, there's no Holocaust yet. It's easy to make Hitler Hitler now. Up to this point in time, he was time man of the year like a few years before this. Yeah, he's being aggressive, seems belligerent, clearly not a big Jewish fan, but, but he'd, not, he'd not invaded Russia. There'd been no Auschwitz. There'd been that stuff hadn't happened yet. What did you want him to do? Remember this. Somebody do something is not an action item. Or that it's not a it's not a, a specific action thing. It's not. It's not specific at all. That's a bumper sticker. Tell me specifically what you want people to do. Dear Cheetah Choker. What, Chris? How many Jesse Kellys would it take to defeat one grizzly bear? And this is the guy that says, but seriously, legend has it that Marshal Ney, remember that was Napoleon's, like his number two, absurdly brave commander under Napoleon. Rumor has it that he escaped to America and lived in my hometown in North Carolina as a schoolmaster under a pseudonym, Peter Ney. 
supposedly living in hiding, waiting for the emperor to regain power. Do you think it could be more than an impersonator with a fake deathbed confession? I don't know whether it's fake or real, but I know I want it to be real. That stuff is awesome, right? I want to escape somewhere under a fake name. That would be sweet. I'm going to go to Bolivia, and I don't even know where that is. And I'm going to have I'm going to, what? I'm going to start a cattle farm, Chris. You don't know anything about it. How many Jesse Kellys would it take to defeat one grizzly bear? Twenty. I say twenty. Look, I'll I'll tell you this: grizzly bears are. If you've ever seen one of the kind of like a science nature show on them, where they strip the fur away and whatnot, they're all muscle, and, and I, they are just a gigantic ball of muscle. You think because the fur fluffs around, they're like a, a little fat. They're just a gigantic ball of muscle. I have seen a grizzly bear take a full-grown moose, not a, not a little moose calf, not a little moose baby, a full-grown moose that it had killed, grab it by the neck, and drag it across the ground. And it's not that the grizzly bear dragged it across the ground. It's that the grizzly bear dragged it across the ground like you or I would drag a piece of paper. It was like it wasn't there. It was effortless. Chris said, is it hand-to-hand? Well, yes, it's hand-to-hand combat. Chris, if it was a rifle, it would just be me. I say it's going to take 20 Jessies, and this is why I say it's going to take 20 Jessies. No, 20 Jessies can take a grizzly bear. No, you're insane. Strong as it is, let's just acknowledge the grizzly bear is going to just massacre the first four or five of us with relative ease, with, with complete ease. Even as superhuman as I am, I'm not going to be able to do anything against the grizzly bear. But it still is an animal with limits on stamina. Eventually, it's going to get worn down, and that's when Jesse, 19 and 20, goes in for the kill. What, Chris? All right, we have more. Hang on. One forty-five over ninety-two. One eighty over one eleven. One hundred and eighty-two over a hundred, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself. I didn't. Now I do. Uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Eight six six three seven or eight seven seven three six six four three seven three. 
877-366-4373. Well, no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, Chris. What? We can have fun on the show. <laughs> all right. In all seriousness, it's 866-377-4373. All right. It's jesse at jessekellyshow.com. I'm I'm debating, Chris, whether to keep messing with people like that, but I'm not going to. That's not fair. It's not fair. If you missed any part of the show today, the whole thing is podcasted on iHeart, Google, Spotify. It's on iTunes. Leave a five-star rating. Leave a review on iTunes talking about how handsome I am. I have been asked a question about the greatest generation. If they were around today, would they put up with what's happening in America? We're going to talk about that. My answer is going to be a little different. Hang on. Jesse Kelly returns next. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Eight seven seven three seven seven four three seven three. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. It is an Ask Doctor Jesse Friday email. If the Greatest Generation was around today, would they put up with what's happening to America? Their parents and grandparents were immigrants from Europe. Their dads fought in World War One. They grew up during the Depression and fought actual fascists. And their sons fought in Korea and Vietnam. What would they say about our border crisis, feminization of the military, and punks like Antifa? Well, why do you think older people in general are disgusted with the country right now? The greatest generation wouldn't even recognize this place. They wouldn't even recognize this place. Those... Those are some of the most inspiring pictures I've ever seen in my life. The pictures that have the day after Pearl Harbor. I know you've seen them at the recruiting offices, the lines at the recruiting offices going around the block. There was just simply a sense of duty back then. But again, all this, all that that sense of duty, all that comes from a sense of gratitude and patriotism. And we don't have that now because when you teach people, when you educate people for years how much their country sucks, you don't feel a duty. You don't feel an obligation to protect it and defend it and stand up for it. Frankly, they feel a real obligation to wreck it because they've been taught that it sucks. It's an evil, racist, misogynistic place. It shouldn't even be. That's that's what we teach kids now. What is America? Uh, it's slavery and Jim Crow and killing the Indians. That's what we teach kids now. That is so suicidal for a nation. 
That that ends with your, the end of the nation. That's what we have. They'd be disgusted with what they see now. Hello, most handsome sage. I appreciate what, Chris? I appreciate that you consider that you will consider questions that may not have a good answer. Those are some of my favorite questions because, frankly, many questions in life don't have a good answer. Here are two. As a contractor in Afghanistan, I met many wonderful locals who were of tremendous value to our military. They were trying to survive and find a little peace. I was all for bringing those people and their families to America in exchange for their courage and assistance. However, it seems the children of these same people, Iran, uh, Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, are easy to radicalize, and they want to kill us. Do you think it was a mistake to bring them here? No. No, not the ones like you just mentioned in service to the country. Because, look, I had these interpreters and people like that, too. And I know these guys were instrumental in saving our guys' lives in Afghanistan. No, you bring that family to America. And the chances are overwhelming that that family is going to be patriotic, raise patriotic kids. The chances are overwhelming. The problems you run into or when you bring in these mass refugees from a call, I mean, mass amounts of them. I'm not talking about this interpreter and his family or that guy and this family. When you just set quotas on refugees from a nation that doesn't share our culture, uh, that ends in disaster so often. It People get so so sensitive about this now. They get so touchy about this now, and so they don't want to discuss it because everyone's been so beaten down with the absurd racism talk and stuff like that. All cultures do not mix together. They don't mix together. And when you try to mix them together, sometimes it turns combustible. If you are from a an extremely rigid culture, one of the Islamic cultures, doesn't mean you can't practice Islam here freely, but if you're in from a strict Islamic culture, and I mean the ones with the full face covering and, and all these other things, I'm because I don't judge anybody, I'm not here to point fingers at you, but I'm here to tell you that's not going to mesh well with the American culture. And part of the victory for the left is acting like we don't have one. Uh, we don't have a culture. America's just whatever. We're multicultural. That's not true. We very much have a culture in this country. It's a Judeo-Christian culture of limited government. That is a unique culture. It's unique to us. And there are other cultures. You can say they're worse. You can say they're better. There are other cultures that are not going to mix well with that. Period. End of story. And when you bring them in and tell them they have to, and you're telling them they have to adhere to things that are totally foreign to them, well, you're only one nutball away from something really bad happening. All cultures do not mix, period. And I don't know why we get, it's like the uh, the black on Asian crime right now, how I was the only one talking about it. I I, I find ethnic struggles to be interesting and worthy of conversation. You don't have to. Be scared to talk about these things. I want to know reasoning why. And I got great answers from black people and from Asians in these various communities. There are always reasons why. There's always a history behind it. We can talk about cultures meshing and not meshing. 
That's totally fine. And if someone gets offended, screw you. Toughen up. I'm not your mommy. I'm your daddy. Shogun Sensei of the Sombrero and Taco Bell Chihuahua, Chris. Tonight on Tucker, you brought up Secret Service corruption. I believe that we can now say every agency in the federal government is now essentially structured to support internal corruption and a damn good old boys club. You know ex-Secret Service agents. What say them? Why does my wife swoon when you come on TV for a news hit and also go to sleep listening to your show, asking for a friend? And he says, I can say his name, Chris Olympia. <laughs> look, look, here's what I said on Tucker last night. Jesse, thanks so much for coming on. How would you, how, how do you think it would work if you lied on a federal gun form? I think I wouldn't be on your show right now unless they were allowing me to do it from Fort Leavenworth somewhere. I, I, we both know exactly. how this works, Tucker. This is it's just item number 1000 in in proving to people that there are two different sets of rules in this country. There are rules for powerful right. Democrats and there, and there are rules for people like you and I. This is this is what they do. And people are sick of it. it it's it's making people feel hopeless. It, it feels like there is no justice out there. It, it, it's it feels as useless as going to a feminist rally and trying to find a woman who can cook. There is a danger out there, a real danger in this country. And it's what I brought up later on in the show about about the fascist thing rising on the right. You remember what I said about the fascist thing rising on the right? About how there's going to be one? Here's what I said. I think you make a really solid point about the sadness and the powerlessness that people feel in the face of this. And at some point, people are going to say, why should I follow the rules? Why should I be a good citizen if they don't have to follow the rules? I mean, things kind of break down at some point, don't they? Well, they will break down. They are breaking down, Tucker. I, I've said this before, and I'm telling you, I'm, I'm worried that I'm right. The right is going to pick a fascist within 10 to 20 years because right. they're not going That's to right. be the only one, the only ones on the outs. There's 60, 70 million of us. We're not a tiny minority. And if we're going to be all treated like criminals and all subject to every single law while Antifa Black Lives Matter guys go free and Hunter Biden goes free, then the right's going to take drastic measures. And it's not about Hunter Biden and his drug use. Nobody cares that guy was bumping booger sugar exactly. lines up European hookers on the weekend. It's about justice that he's never held accountable for, and none of the Bidens are, but you would be, Tucker, and so would I. That's so well put, and you're absolutely right. We're moving toward actual extremism. There is a feeling of injustice, and there's a feeling that all the systems in the government, all the cultural institutions inside and outside of the government are now controlled by the left. And that feeling is not an illusion. That feeling is real. It's really happening. And it's happening with the Secret Service, too. You know how bad this looks? Hunter Biden, he had a gun. He lied on a form to get the gun. And then at the time, he was dating his dead brother's wife, which is weird enough, she takes the gun from him because thinks because she thinks he's a danger to the kids, stashes it. Of course, he gets in trouble. And the Secret Service show up at the dealer's office who sold it to him, demanding the forms. It's really bad. All right. It's time for more Ask Dr. Jesse questions. Hang on. Super Beats Heart Chews are good for you. 
They are non-GMO. They are plant-based. They are gluten-free. There aren't preservatives. There aren't artificial colors. But you know what it is? There is grapeseed extract. They do support healthy blood pressure. They do support heart health. And we all need to be a bit more proactive with our health. Have you seen these numbers out there about what people have done to themselves during all this lockdown madness? It's time to get it. It's time to get it right. And part of getting it right means Super Beats Heart Shoes, eating two of them a day. You do it whenever you want. I eat my two at dinner every night. I line them up right beside my glass. As soon as I'm done with dinner, they're my dessert. I love the pomegranate berry flavor. Go to GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. That's GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. When you buy two bags, you get the third free. Remember, you can find me on social media at Jesse Kelly DC on Twitter, Instagram. I'm on Facebook and I'm on locals. I can't be kicked off of locals. The guy asked, what, what are the secret service guys saying that I know the military guys saying, I know, well, here's the worst part about all that. They see the politicization of, of those groups. The good ones are leaving. And that's really how half the purge happens. It happens organically. Good guys don't stick around for that. They'll go do something else. The bad ones, the political hacks, the leftists, they stick around. The purge doesn't have to be, oh, you vote Republican, you're kicked out. It doesn't have to be that. All you have to do is rot it out from the inside for long enough, and they're gone. Takes a little time. The result in the end is the same. Dear Oracle of Jesse, Who wins a hippo versus a rhino battle? And there's no way a human could beat a cheetah hand-to-hand. It has a stronger bite than a lion and the fastest reflexes of any mammal. It will tear your throat out in seconds. Besides, 75-pound dogs take people down easily. A cheetah weighs twice as much. First of all, don't question My ability to take a cheetah in hand-to-hand combat, I already explained to everyone that I have a strategy worked out. And the strategy involves knowing I'm going to take some claw wounds, but being some claw wounds, Chris, nothing fatal. I realize I'm going to need to see a doctor afterwards. I'm not pretending like there aren't going to be stitches. I understand it's a cat that goes for the kill, Chris, but I, because I'm a human and I'm smarter than it, I know that. And the only way this cat is going to be able to kill me is if this cat is able to get its teeth on my throat. I have one part of the cat I have to worry about, and that's its teeth. And I have to worry about them staying away from a specific part of me, my throat. I, no, Chris, we're not going to talk about that part of me. I, I'm going to focus on getting my hands around his throat. Once You're worried about me? I'm worried about the cheetah. Once my hands are, what, Chris? Once my hands are on that cheetah, it's over already. It's already over. A hippo versus a rhino is actually a really good one. I say it's got to be hippo, and this is why I say it's got to be hippo. They weigh just as much as a rhino. 
And the hippo doesn't need a running start. The rhino does. If a rhino is just there, how badly? I mean, I'm sure it can probably still stab the hippo a little. Yeah. That is a big tusk on a rhino. It's a big tusk on a rhino. But those hippo hides are pretty strong. I still say hippo. I still say hippo. You know they say, Chris, if a rhino is chasing after you, what you're supposed to do, get this, you're not supposed to run. You're supposed to wait until it gets close to you and then jump to one side or the other because they can run really fast, but they can't cut. They can't see very well and they can't cut. Like You can't just stop and turn. Man, think how nerve-wracking that would be. Just letting him come right at you. <laughs> no thanks. Dear Dr. Jesse, if the Germans win World War I and there's no World War II, how does America become a superpower? Now, this is a great question. And this is clearly somebody who pays attention to history. America became number one in the world post-World War I. Why? Well, it's not because we fought in World War I. It's because we let everyone else fight for a long time in World War I. What did we do? Sold them everything they needed. Oh, another large shipment of steel. Yes, we can help you with that. Thank you. I'm glad you asked. The center of the banking world pre-World War I was London. Post-World War I, it was New York City. Britain had all the money in the world in World War I. And after that, they even talked about it because they could see it happening. After that, they owed all that money to us. It, it took us to a new level. That said, that said, America was always going to be a superpower. And we're going to always be a superpower for a couple different reasons. The, the one huge reason is obviously a small government, a capitalist system where the government can't get involved and screw up the economy. That's just, it's not arguable. Free markets are absurdly profitable. It's how everything advances. That's right. Look around you. Look at the buildings and the wealth and the hospitals and the streets and the, and the everything. So we are always going to be somewhat successful because of that. But there was more than just that. I mean, we, we are so blessed to be here. We have two gigantic oceans on each side of us, keeping our enemies away and freeing us up to ship to anywhere as fast as humanly possible. Having the Atlantic and the Pacific is really, really, really important. It's really important. And the Gulf of Mexico. I mean, it's just, it's really important. That's one. Two, we are really, really rich in natural resources. They're endless here. Granted, the Envirocommies don't want us to touch any of them, but the amount of natural resources under the ground in America and on top of it, frankly, it's absurd. Are there other countries like Russia? Look how vast Russia is. Russia actually doesn't have that many natural resources for its size. It just doesn't. We do. And I don't know the ge uh, geological reasons for that, but we're just... Blessed for, for a lot of, we were always, what I'm saying is we were always going to be a superpower. We always were. Yeah, World War I helped things along quite a bit, but we were always going to be a superpower. Hi, Jesse. I've lived in upstate New York my entire life. That's beautiful, by the way. My family has been there for three, been here for three generations. Unfortunately, the county I live in is turning bluer and by extension, more communist every year. 
The population here is declining, and the people that are replacing those that left are mostly from NYC. My DA is a Soros-funded candidate that won by a slim margin in a 100% super-duper honest and fair election. My question is, is there any value of having conservatives, quote, behind enemy lines at this point, or should we all just leave if we can? I ask myself why I'm still here or if there is any value of conservatives living in a blue state. I have an elderly mother who refuses to see the decline of the area and wants to remain. But now that I have two children, I simply can't justify staying behind just for her anymore. Stay or go. Thanks. This, t- this, this question is only difficult because of the mother. If you took the mother out of this question, I tell you, I can't be selfish with your life because of my anti-communist movement. I have no right to tell you that there's, you should stay because we, we want someone behind enemy lines. Best of luck from Texas. That's not right. I can't do that. I mean, there's value, yes, but I, you got to do what's right for your children. And I will tell you again, as somebody who has lived all over the United States of America, I've moved more times than I can count. I moved to a red area on purpose just because it was red. Without a job, I moved here to a red area on purpose from a very blue area, from D.C. Living in an area that shares your values is such a better quality of life for yourself and your family. I can't even put it into words. It is better here. The grass is greener in an area that shares your values. It is. Your little experiences throughout the day, throughout every major event, they make life so much better. And you you have kids. But there's your mom. We need to talk about your mom. Hang on. Quitting dipping tobacco is absolutely horrible. I, uh, I, You know I don't beat around the bush. I dipped for years, and quitting was horrible. And I quit, and I'd start up again, and I'd quit, and I'd start up again, and I'd quit for a day and start up again. Then I'd quit for a week and start up again. One time I quit for like six months and ended up going back. And you know why I kept going back? Because I didn't have an appropriate transition off of it. I didn't have something to replace it with. Jake's Mint Chew is the ultimate replacement. They have 11 different flavors of long cut. They have four different flavors of the CBD pouches, which I would highly recommend. Those really help take the edge off. And it gives you something to put in that lip, only it's tobacco-free, nicotine-free, sugar-free. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE when you do that. Get 20% off. Responsibility for everything that's happening at the border now. I hear you talking a lot about the past administration. You decided to roll back 
some of those policies? Did you move too quickly to, to, to roll back, back what? I'm sorry. Policies. Did you move too quickly to roll back some of the executive orders of your predecessor? First of all, all the policies that are underway were not helping at all. Did not slow up the amount of immigration and as many people coming. And rolling back the policies of separating children from their from their mothers, I make no apology for that. Rolling back the policies of uh, remaining in Mexico, sitting on the edge of the Rio Grande in a muddy circumstance with not enough to eat, I make no apologies for that. I make no apologies for ending programs that did not exist before Trump became president that have an incredibly negative impact on the law, international law, as well as on human dignity. Oh, boy. It's, yeah, the last administration didn't do anything right. Those things weren't helping at all. The border, I can tell you this for a fact from my people I know on the border, was the most secure it's ever been in their lifetimes under Donald Trump. That's just a fact. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. It is an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Back to the guy's question about should I move out of a blue area, have kids, don't want to live here, it's getting worse, but my mom is here and doesn't want to leave. It's your mother. I do believe in taking care of, honoring, and respecting your mother. What I don't believe, though, is this. I do not believe in any way in negatively affecting my children's future because mom doesn't want to move. I understand mom not wanting to move. That's totally understandable. Your mom's not wrong. You've lived there, like you said, a few generations. You know everybody, know the stories, but I totally get it. I'm not blaming mom at all. But if that's me, I'm having that conversation with mom. I don't know what your financial situation is. It's not my business, but I'm having the conversation of mom. You need some help getting set up where we're moving to, whatever. I want you to come along. My kids are not living here anymore. It doesn't matter that you can't see it or won't see it. We're leaving. I want you to come. You're my mom, but we're leaving. Bye. And that, but that is, that's so easy for me to say. And it's easy for me to say because my family was so different when it comes to that stuff. We just, we always moved. We were always so independent. We were raised to be independent. The second I graduated high school, I left and never came back. Sister did the same thing. To this day, my parents live in Montana. I live in Texas. So I'm not, I'm not in this situation where mom and dad are, are right across town and have always been. And we're over there every weekend for a barbecue. I'm not in that situation, and a lot of people are. And I think that's really cool. I, that, that, I'm certainly not ripping on that. I think that's really cool. I don't have that. It's just not my life. Dr. Anti-Kami slash commie-loving Shogun. <laughs> you know what? It's not fair. Historical hypothetical for you. What does the world look like if mercenary army-backed, trade-and-economy-focused Carthage beats militaristic conquest-focused Rome? Do mercenaries just run wild with no one else powerful enough to challenge them? Do we get a quicker Dark Ages scenario? Love the show. Keep up the great work. He says I can use his name. His name is Nick. (sighs) 
we need Rome to be what Rome was because Rome Rome was so advanced. Rome advanced the entire rest of the world. I mean, some of the 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 principles in the founding of your country, the United States of America, were principles taken from Rome. Rome was that big. And Carthage, they were very wealthy. They were very powerful. But Carthage kind of sucked. I mean, they kind of, they were huge. It's not like the Romans were these saintly moral people, but the Carthaginians were huge on sacrifice, child sacrifice. They'd throw children into the fire. I mean, at the age of like seven years old, it just, the world would not have been better off having Carthage win that war. As much of a Hannibal lover as I am, no, I don't think that. I don't think the mercenaries would have taken over everything, but they would have taken over a lot more if Rome goes down there for sure. They would have taken over all of Italy because Italy's so fertile. It's what Italy does so well. They're just an extremely fertile country. Dear Doctor Jesse Razorback Kelly, what Chris? That's a cool name. I've been thinking about how the South could have won the Civil War. Oh, this will go over well. The deciding factor was the economy of the North. It provided more food, more equipment, more soldiers. What if the South raided the civilians in the North with small, specialized groups? Their mission would have been to eliminate workers, burn fields, kill livestock, and destroy factories with terrorist-like tactics. In hindsight, is is that how you would have done it? If not, how would you win? No, that's not how I would have done it because I don't think it would be successful in the long run. You can you can use terror tactics if you're going to set the morality of it aside. You can use terror tactics and you know pick 5 guys here, pick 10 guys here and you ride into the north and set a few fields on fire and whatnot. But those guys are going to die very quickly. Remember, this is an era this is an era where every American is armed, especially outside of the cities, they're all armed. Those five to ten men are going to be one or two men running for their lives really quickly. You start setting factories on fire, farms on fire. Everyone has a daggone weapon. You're just, it would not have been effective in that way because everybody's armed. It would not have worked at all. How I would have won it? No, they couldn't go to D.C. either, Chris. Chris says they should have gone to D.C. There were too many armies in between them and D.C. and the, the North was actually very worried about that. Remember when Grant blew into Pennsylvania and the North didn't know, is he going to Philly? Is he going to D.C.? They were so worried about that. So they were always fortifying the big northern cities pretty well. You weren't just going to roll into D.C. You were going to pay for that big time. I understand they paid at Gettysburg, but it would not have been effective. A, a relieving army would have come and broken that siege earlier. How would the South have won it? I'm not sure it's possible for the South to have won it. Uh, but remember, we talked about it last time, that there, the, the South's best chance to win it was the animosity towards the war in the North with the presidential election coming up. The, the way the South could have won it was do one or two things a little bit better to cause the North to, to look a little worse and that would have lost Abraham Lincoln the election. Remember, that was a very close election. And if Abraham Lincoln loses his re-election campaign, beep, that's war over. War's over. McClellan's going to get in there and just say, hey, uh, yeah, we're not doing this anymore. Have fun in the South. Have fun in your new country. It's over. Isn't that crazy to think about? You're one close election away from having two different 
I mean, I guess you'd call it America's, whatever way you want to look at it. What, Chris? I don't know if it's take a couple forts. I don't know if that's the way to put it. I, I don't know that there. The reason I'm saying I don't know is the South was in such an impossible scenario. Remember, the South, their entire economy was one fifth the size of New York's, not of the of New York's. It's just really, really hard to overcome an economic disadvantage like that over a long enough period of time. That's why the South was so good in the beginning. They were just better generals, better shooters, better armies. But over time, you're running out of stuff. Chris said, if they split, do they come back together eventually? I'll be honest with you. I think if they split, I think they fight again. I think the United States of America, to our credit, I think the Christian basis for the United States of America had such a big problem with slavery. Remember, slavery was something. It was, oh, America loved slavery. No, 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 no. Like half the founders were all, no, this is, dis- we can't have this. This is disgusting. Hang on, I'm not quite done on this. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. And so I'm going to say something outrageous. I have never been particularly poor at calculating how to get things done in the United States Senate. So the best way to get something done, if you if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to. Anyway. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. All right. We're going to try. We're going to try to rapid fire through some questions here. You ready for this, Chris? I'm going to wow people with how fast I am. I have two Ask Dr. Jesse questions. What's the largest animal that you believe you could kill with your bare hands? A cow? Other than, yes, I could, Chris. No, it's she said largest animal. She didn't specify that it had to be a dangerous animal, Chris. Other than human, what animal would you choose to be? I love the show. Thank you for my daily entertainment. I would choose to be a man. 
I would choose to be a great white shark. I want to be a great white shark. No, you know what? I take that back. I take that back. I'm going to choose to be a killer whale. They, they get to hang out with families, and they do the, the thing where they talk to each other. That's actually – I do my own sound effects for the show. That's what killer whales sound like. And then they do the awesome killing of the seals. Have you ever seen that on the videos online where they use the flippers and they slap the seals way in the air and slap them back and forth? <laughs> That's hilarious. All right. Dear Shogun, after listening to many of your history lessons, it has become evident that outnumbered and undeveloped nations have a chance to overcome juggernauts if they practice various methods of guerrilla warfare, avoiding a face-to-face confrontation, poisoning water holes, and targeting supply lines can tip the scales in favor of the underdog. My question is, what does modern guerrilla warfare look like in the age of thermal scopes, drones, and all that technology that is available? Jen Psaki is the kind of hot third wheel that the hot women hang out with to make themselves look better. <laughs> Keep up the good fight. You know what? That's not nice. Okay. A man likes what he likes. Here's, here's what I'll say about this modern guerrilla warfare thing. It hasn't really changed. The whole using the enemy's weapons against him is a basic part of all guerrilla warfare. Yeah. Thermal scopes. Yeah. You go take some of them, and then you have thermal scopes. You're talking about drones. Uh, that drone is just commanded by somebody with a joystick in his hands. You don't worry about the drone. You go to where the dro- joystick is, and now it's your drone. You see how this works? That's guerrilla warfare. We need to get another Green Bray on next week and talk about that. Chris, Chris just brought up $200 for night vision goggles, which we all know Jewish producer Chris isn't going to spend that kind of money, but we can buy him an extra pair, and then he can have some. Hello, OY Shogun. Is there a way to convert moderates to anti-communists? Nearly all my friends are moderates, either right or the left. Many would call me crazy if I said some of the things I truly believe, like how social justice groups are modern cultural Marxists and how many of the institutions in America are peddling communist propaganda. By the way, everything you just said is accurate. I think most Americans in my generation, specifically, I'm in my 20s, are so far removed from any political conflict with real consequences that it can be hard to grasp just what we are up against. Is there a way to wake people up? Love the show in history. Thanks for making politics fun. Listen to me and listen good. You don't have to wake them up. What happens is you see the desperation and the importance of the situation. And you want, you want, I, I need this guy to join and I need this friend to join. I need you to join me. Don't you guys understand what's happening? You don't understand. They're not going to decide anything. You are. It's going to be a small percentage of the society fighting it out to decide which direction the society will go. If you're at the point right now, And these people are probably happier than us, don't get me wrong. But if you're at the point right now where you're just, I don't really care about politics. I mean, maybe some some of whatever's fine. Then, and I don't want this to sound harsh, then I don't care about you. Meaning I don't care about converting you. It's not that I don't care about you as a person. You're still my friend or family member or whatnot. But you're not a priority anymore in my life as far as politics go. You're You're useless. But you're useless to them, too. You're just going to blow in the wind whichever way the wind's blowing, so I better make sure I'm the one who's doing the blowing. 
And in hindsight, I wish I'd put that differently. Ron, quick ask Dr. Jesse question. I don't know why I got called Ron. Why Ron, Chris? Am I missing something? All right. Ron, quick ask Dr. Jesse question. Who wins, Genghis Khan at the peak of his power or Napoleon in his slow setup army? Oh, man. That's actually really tough. That's really tough. I, I personally don't think anybody beats Genghis Khan ever. I, I don't think it's possible to beat Genghis Khan. What, Chris? That's the thing. I, I don't, I'm not sure Genghis Khan wouldn't beat Napoleon, even with all the muskets Napoleon had. No, that's probably not fair. Napoleon was a stud of a commander, but Genghis Khan's army moved so fast. It was just, they were so fast. And, and if you were to list like the top 10, 15 generals of all time, What's crazy is like five of them are guys that under Genghis Khan. I mean, he's, and he had Subadai and Jebe, and he just had all these studs. Dear Shogun Jesse, why do we care if the rest of the world thinks we are nice? And it goes on and on. But you know what? I'm going to answer this. I'm going to answer this here real quick. Give me a second. Pure Thunderstorm air purifiers are the best I've ever had. And I've always had them. And I know what you're picturing when you picture an air purifier because it's the ones I've always had. The the three-foot-tall towers that sound like a jet engine at the foot of your bed. I've had those. The ones with the filters you have to replace every other day. I've had those. That is not the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. It is a compact little thing. It plugs right into the wall. It's incredibly quiet while at the same time being incredibly powerful. And I need that. Look, I'll tell you, I have to have that just for my allergies alone. My, I wake up in the mornings. If I don't have my Eden Pure Thunderstorm on, my allergies are killing me. Eyes, runny nose. I plug that thing in, let it run all night long. I wake up just fine. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. That's EdenPureDeals.com. Use the code JESSE at checkout for $10 off. Dr. Shogun Jesse, why do we care if the rest of the world thinks we are nice? Because we live in a pillow soft society now where dudes will routinely brag about how nice they are as if it's a good thing. I'm such a nut. I'm a nut. You heard Biden say it yesterday in the press conference. I'm glad they think I'm a nice guy. I'm a nice guy. You know who's a nice guy? The guy that's not in charge of anything important or. The guy who is in charge of something that's important, and he's screwing everything up. That's the guy. I'm so nice. Uh, I mean, yeah, the, the company's profits are in the toilet, but 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 uh, Stacy, the secretary, thinks, thinks I'm the world's best boss. Yeah, you suck. The world? How, how much history do we talk about? Nice guys do not make this place turn. Be a nice guy to your kids. Otherwise, be effective. I want my president to be effective. Gosh, what an awesome day it was. That's all.
Jesse Kelly Show. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What, look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You, you want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps, and then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a thousand at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. nwretention.com. That's nwretention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. Hollywood is under siege from external forces. The same Hollywood that sold the American dream is now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in Hollywood Takeover. Brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse. Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has supported our nation's heroes and their families ever since. Heroes like Marine Corps Sergeant Adam Mayo. Mayo served our nation for over seven years before he was catastrophically injured during training. He was left paralyzed from the chest down, severely limiting his ability to move around his home independently. Tunnel to Towers paid Sergeant Mayo's mortgage, removing a financial burden for him and his family. The foundation gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his specific needs. Tunnel to Towers has already come to the aid of so many heroes and their families by providing mortgage-free homes. The foundation is also committed to eradicating veteran homelessness. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. 95 cents of every dollar goes directly to their programs. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. The 2024 election is upon us, and now is the time to fight back against the war on masculinity in American society today. Thankfully, the patriots at Chalk, C-H-O-Q, are here to help real American men maximize their masculinity by boosting testosterone levels up to 20% over 90 days. I've been taking a male vitality stack from Chalk for like three years now. It is incredible. They are here to help make American men strong again. Testosterone testosterone fueled again maximize your masculinity today at choq.com 
Use the code JESSE for a massive discount on any Chalk subscription for life. CHOQ.com, code JESSE. Limited time offer, subscription cancelable at any time. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.